normal. Okay, guys, we are here on Conspiracy Normal, and we had to make a kind of quick readjustment in the schedule. Mark Anthony Wyatt will be joining us for the next episode, but we are doing a swap cast tonight with some good friends of ours, um, one of which is Jerry from Atlanta area, who uh, was the proudly was the first ticket holder yes <laughs> ticket buyer at strange realities 2019 and we have nish his and they are both co-hosts of the great Wildly podcast popular. nox mente yes. so guys welcome them to the show welcome guys to conspiracy normal and thanks for having us i guess we're on nox mente i guess sort of so. <laughs> yeah we're gonna do swap cast cool totally. cool this is my this is actually my second time and i gotta tell you guys uh, when i went on you guys show and Jerry told me what it was. I was like, man, how am I going to talk about dreams for like an hour and a half or however long it was? I'm like, there's no way. I don't even have that many dreams I even want to, that I can even remember or talk about. But Nish, you have this way of like just getting it out of people. And I just, <laughs> I talked about some, I talked about some things that, and you guys even like, you Nish pointed out to me that I had like, this like out of body experience when I was a when I was a kid, and I kind of just you know if anybody hasn't heard that show, when I was about like fourteen, I can remember having this dream right where I'm like crawling on the floor, trying like in vain to like get to the light, the light switch right, and as soon as my hand touches the light switch, all of a sudden I wake up back in my bed. And it was like one of those really terrifying kind of dreams. And I really thought nothing of it. But when I went on Nox Mente, Unish pointed out that I had like an out-of-body experience or a possible one. So that was a, kind of a re- revelation to me. So Yeah, it, you know, as people don't realize what's going on sometimes. And it seems more, it can seem more mundane than you think. You, you know, you, you want to discard it. And uh, yeah, that to me was so apparent listening. Right. And then once you get the validation, though, then it opens up a whole, you know, neural pathways connect here. And you you're like on an unconscious level, you're you're telling yourself, oh, it is possible. I can do this. So, yeah, that seemed classic to me. Well, guys, tell us a little bit about Nox Mente, like what you guys set out to do with it, why the why the focus on dreams specifically? Nobody else is doing it. I think the main reason, one of the, my, my main reasons for doing it for this format was that we're just not another podcast that has Nick Redfern on to talk about his latest book. Oh, no. <laughs> thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Not to knock uh, Nick or his books. I'm just saying he's a good yeah. example because he has a book every year. and, and He has a book like every three months. Like, what, right. What, right. Like, and, like five books a year. Right. And it's a very interesting subject and everybody dreams. So it gives us a wide palette of guests from which to choose. So we've had you know celebrity psychics to podcast hosts originally we just focused on podcast hosts because 
in my mind, they're meta dot connectors. They, you know, you experience the the full gamut of of woo, if you will, um, from all your guests. And in your head, there's lots of dots connecting at yep. the meta, you know, at this higher level. So uh, I find it really interesting to talk to people who who are at that level because they have a wide uh, palette of information from which to draw and connect those those dots. Okay, and Nish, for you real. for for you, what was your uh, reason to like talk about dreams? Like, what what brought you like fascination like with dreams and dream imagery? Well, er, er, absolutely everything Jerry said. We're presenting something in a different light, and uh, it, it, and that was important to us to have good conversation. And we were just using dreams are a pathway to get out of the normal, right? Out of the day to day and into the deeper levels of conversation and away from this left brain way of being. I, and I've always been fascinated by dreams. It's always been every morning waking up, the people in my lives, lives, isn't that hilarious? The people in my <laughs> life. <laughs> The people in my life, I've always asked, you know, what did you dream about? It's always been a subject. And my mother brought that to me as a young child. Uh, and so it's always been there. It was never anything that was pushed under the cover as fantasy or later on, you know, bits of my unconscious working things out. And, you know, Jerry and I could present something different. And, and a lot of times for people that listen, I just got this feedback from someone the other day who is, we get new people and then they just binge us from beginning to end. And one of these people said, uh, went back to our very first episode and oh. all the way through and said, you know, at first I couldn't understand what, what was going on. And then I realized that it was, this is actually what I just described to you guys, that it's a pathway to deeper conversations. So right. that that's, that's it. I mean, it was just the right time, right place with Jerry and I, and it seems to be hitting a thread. It's growing. We're organic. So we haven't paid, you know, like we're, not, we're underground still, but we're, you know, I'm just, I'm proud of like our underground pushing forward status instead of the instant, you know, a million followers and all that where one good THC. No, one good conversation at a time. And, and the one thing that keeps me going with it is yes, I'm interested in dream overlap. Yes. I'm interested in what's going on in the collective unconscious with people and where all that could be, something bigger, a bigger narrative could be happening. But I'm also interested in the woo and um, and people's personal lives yeah. more than I am what their titles are and what they're doing. Yeah, we always try and extract some kind of interesting new personal information out of people that no one's ever heard before. Mm. Yeah, it really worked for me because I, like I said, I had no idea that I was going to be able to fill that much of a time about dreams but you like i said you guys got just got like a lot out of me that i people like to no talk clue. about themselves too you know that's that's the other thing yeah i suppose so i mean that that, well, that is true I, 
they like to, I think most people like to get out of the well, how was your day, the weather and you know, this how the how are them whatever. Tell us sports. about your new book. Yeah. I think most people really do want to have genuine conversations. And that's why a lot of these podcasts like this that get into uh more depth are becoming more popular. In the past, if you look back though, they were less. You'd have you know, it was, it, I, I don't know. It seems like it's becoming a trend now for some reason, but we're still unique. All the copycats. <laughs> well, like you said, everyone <laughs> Everyone's has, adding. Yeah, everyone has dreams is something we all share. So, right. and it's the entire other side of our lives. And a lot of other societies saw it as being even superior to the waking world. And, and, and the thing is, it's a, it's kind of like one of those experiences that doesn't, isn't really truly rooted in full on science. Yes, there's some Monroe Institute, there's a lot of studies around dream, but it's still got a mystical edge. It's still got a, a, you need to have suspension of disbelief angle to it. So it's a great, it's a great gateway into into the stuff Jerry and I are super interested in that can spring us into those conversations. And as I was saying earlier with some of the feedback, that's some of the stuff that gets some people hooked. Like where could this conversation go talking about dreams? Because I guess other societies saw it as being synonymous with the spiritual world also. Oh yeah, I mean, there's there's so much there. We're talking primal, uh, primordial soup here yeah. when we start talking about this kind of inner churning and uh, deep symbolic language. But then you spring forward into getting out of your body and how this lucidity aspect thing happens where you're you're awake and then the mirror lives are you you know all the theories that come in you know when you shut down this your daily life here and you go there and you kind of get a little wipe like thomas sheridan talks about this a lot and i'm on board with it you get a wipe and then you're living that life right and then you shut down that life and you get a little bit of a wipe, you just have vague symbolic images that get all shaded and weird, and you come back here and you wake up and you continue this life. Yeah, kind of like you're just going into another dimension. I mean, there are some dreams for me that feel just like that. I mean, I've had dreams where I have felt like it's so ultra real that I will wake up and I will say... I have to remind myself that that was a dream. Like I'm in my reality now. I'm sure you guys have experienced that many, many times. Sure. Sure. A lot of people that we've spoken to, well, I don't know if a lot of people, but many have suggested that the dream state is, is almost an astral experience, an astral travel experience. I've heard other people say that too. And you know, that may be a gateway or even possibly part of your, alternate lives, your alternate realities, what people would call a past life. Yeah, it's definitely, I I would definitely say that dreams are just another form of altered state. I mean, it's it's probably one of the simplest altered states. Would you guys agree with that? Sure. Yeah, definitely. That's an aspect for sure. Now you had in the pre-show, 
you had mentioned that you brought us some new material. <laughs> <laughs> we might, yeah, we're talking yeah. about dreams. Let's bring it yeah. out. So, okay, this was this was weird. Um, this happened to me about roughly about two weeks ago now, maybe a little less from the time that we're recording this. So I am in my bed. I am aware that I'm in my bed. And this presence opens the door to my room. Or rather, I don't hear the door open. I just feel like all of a sudden this presence in the room. And I feel like this female body like lays right of right next to me puts her arm around me and it was literally like you know i could tell it was female okay obviously and uh, on my back and i like it was so real that i like actually turned around and then woke up to see that if there was somebody there it was very strange and that's something that i've never ever experienced before in my life when did that what happen? Was, a couple weeks ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. And what was the mood that was there? It was very peaceful. It was very benevolent. There wasn't anything that I felt like was malevolent about it. It was a kind of like a reassuring kind of thing. But it was still like when I woke up, I saw it. That's like it was like it was weird. It was just a weird feeling. What What was going on that day for you and your mood when you went to sleep? I, I mean, probably just the same as it always is. I don't think that I, you know, I, I go to sleep rather late. So it really wasn't, um, you know, there's probably some, some things on my mind of a personal nature, but then I just, you know, just passed out, went to sleep. And I'll wake up periodically through the night, you know, get up, go to the bathroom, whatever. But, you know, this was this was more like... It, for me, I will wake up and then I will like be in this kind of in between state in the morning is when I'll have like the most vivid dreams about like seven, eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. And that's then, common. And then I will then then I will wake up fully into into consciousness about like nine, nine thirty. It's usually about the time that I wake up. So this was around that time that this happened. And it was very, it felt very hyper real to me. Like there was another presence involved with this. And it was, it was strange and nothing has happened since then. So I, well, the key thing here for me listening in, and I've got to tell you, I'm hearing more stories about this kind of, uh, of presence, uh, others entering people's, dreams recently that are friendly because before in the past it's always kind of like the uh paralysis scary heebie-jeebie ones and so i don't know there's something there to follow but this is what i'm saying i like the idea that it was comforting i like the idea that you were open to it and i'm wondering where it will go did it feel familiar um, it's, yeah, there was a familiar feeling to it, actually. Um, it, it felt reassuring to me, mm-hmm. was honestly. It more, was it more maternal than romantic? 
It was that's more, a good question. That is a good question, and it felt more of a it felt more of a romantic type. Did of Did you thing. wake up with a boner? <laughs> <laughs> was this going somewhere like that? Well, I think I think most dudes do. I mean, you know, unless you're dead. But like that that's. But uh, did it have it? Yeah, it's more romantic. There than... was a more of a yeah. There was much more of a sexual kind of thing going okay. there, but it was more like. You know, just just laying there with each other, kind of mm-hmm. odd kind of thing. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. Do you remember any dreams from that sleep cycle other than that experience? None. By sleep cycle, do you remember during the same time, the same night? Yeah. Okay. No. Yeah. No, nothing. That That's all I remember. That's the most Excellent. vivid. That's the most vivid one. Yeah, that's that's good. That's a really great one. Thank you. For Sharon, you know, I don't like to interpret, uh, but that I just want to say that that I'm hearing more stories about these friendlier encounters and it doesn't sound like paralysis at all. This sounds, you know, in a different in a whole different. Right. Realm. Yeah, there was no there was no paralysis and in, in because I, I immediately turned around mm-hmm. and immediately turned around and expecting to see someone. Mm-hmm. Like it yeah, was that it was that it was that vividly real. And what was what was interesting was when I whenever it entered the room, like it I could tell it was female, mm-hmm. you know, and then it laid across my back and I could feel that it was, you know, it's probably a succubus. Yeah, it, it could be. It could be a succubus. Yeah. I, yeah, I was thinking of I was thinking like about, I was thinking along <laughs> those those lines too. Um you know, we just talked to um Jack Montgomery on the last episode. He actually talked about some guy that uh was enjoying his time with his demon lover or whatever, <laughs> his his spectral lover. There so are lots you, of them out there. So you do hear about these type of things. Now, I don't know if necessarily that's what it was, but I or whether it was maybe just my own way of coping with some things but i um it, it had a very reassuring quality to it so to it yeah it, you know succubi is is of course the first go-to but there's it's in the descriptive that you gave made me steer away from that altogether but yeah. it, of, of course everything's on the table and yeah. it, and it could the, be a it, dead grandma for all you know right i mean it just didn't play out but it's it's interesting that I had a I had a I guess you call it incubus an incubi lover for years and I didn't understand what that was so that's a whole different story for another time that was un unbelievable I'm not so sure you can just let that pass this is name is. Uh, no, 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 Jerry. You know it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. There, the my demon lover, Hale Kenneth Anger. Uh, yeah, I don't want to. I'll take over the whole show with that. But I and I haven't really talked about that much. I've mentioned it in a few Knox interviews when we're talking with other people. But I have, and there's a different. I'd loving and warmth wasn't for me part of the experience but it was definitely it was hot don't get me wrong it's definitely hot and i enjoyed it and i always looked forward to more until i finally realized it was not a good thing 
Do you think that's always negative? That's kind of how uh, Jack Montgomery was, just saying that it was like he'd warn yeah, against right. anything. Right. Like They're that. parasites. Yeah. Yeah. When I realized that that was what was going on and where that could actually end up within, like the, the idea, and so I want to put this out as the idea of possession, I I snapped to it. And a lot of things in my life changed when I did. But it, it's, you know, it's like, I love a wet dream. I welcome them. I mean, come on. And, uh, and so that was that amped up and I, it got to the point where I could just kind of call on it awake and have basically have sex with it. So, and it sounds like where it felt like it was penetrating me. I mean, really unbelievable experience. Uh, but ultimately I, like I said, I think it's a terrible thing. So is that you, do you all think that's always parasitical? Is there ever, is there ever anything that's like there to help awaken something in you, or is it ever can it can it ever be positive? Uh, well, okay, so I'm not one that that goes into the evil good because everything wants to live, right? right. So, par- you know, the worms in your gut want to live. Everything wants to live, and has so to take I, from something else to do that, right? So I don't live in that evil good paradigm uh so it was it's doing it had whatever its modus was and for me though i could see how negative things i could see bad things going on in my life at the time and i started to do a little dot connecting and realized it was all interconnected to some stuff so it was not a good thing it was definitely not going to lead anywhere good as opposed to say like a wet dream which is just your i think a biological situation happening you've sure. got a built a buildup of energy and you know everything lines up for one of those great great experiences yeah, I, I think with with any type of addiction if you will it eventually starts to alter your thinking and your behavior and therein lies the negative aspects of it well, that, besides the energy parasitic, that's what I wanted to ask you, Nish. Was like you said that it eventually became a negative thing, but it started off feeling pretty positive. But I mean, how well, it felt positive because sex feels good, right? right if you're having right. good, I always got it. Always got me off. You know what I'm saying? It sure. always got me off, and so and that's not always easy. So you you know you respond well to that. Most people do, and and so I and then when it shifted from being in a liminal state of dreaming to being a, I could go lay down in my bed and basically call it to me and have by just starting to masturbate and, um, this rubbing on Igor, which is what I call my pussy. Uh, and so har <laughs> har. <laughs> and, and starting the process and then i would mentally call it and it, I, I, at some point i realized i didn't have to mentally call it it would show up but i started by mentally calling it and sure enough i'd be like you know doggy style experience which is basically how it always happened and i would feel it this, so this is getting was, an explicit mark on uh conspiracy <laughs> i just want you guys to know that so if it was if it was psychosomatic, well, more you know, hallelujah to the power of that. But 
and to your question, everything in my life started to fall apart then. Yeah. And this, this includes, there is a divorce in my mother's death and like a bunch of stuff started to be very evident in, uh, it started to be, I started to be able to really associate it with, I had this great life going and then all of a sudden I had this terrible, horrible experience starting to happen and it shows up in this in this interim and then everything starts to fall apart and sure enough when I banished it which was not easy my life got better back on track so I mean that's just a short version you definitely equate the negativity that was going on in your life with this experience with this incubus figure yeah and okay. it was so say and i wasn't doing any goetic magic or anything like that so it wasn't like oh the circle wasn't sealed and something escaped it was uh it it somehow attached in and i can i i understand now having dissected all this i know how it all became possible which is why i'm on this whole possession kick lately and i'm not from a christian angle uh that ironically is an ai angle because that's part of what we were going to talk about tonight but i could see where it gained entry once something gains entry though like the vampire yeah. legend right. you've got a lot of work to get it the hell out but you don't think in my case that we're dealing with like some kind of succubus no. thing. No, no, no. You said some key words to me, like yeah. warm. And uh, you said some key words that really took it away from that realm for me. And then uh, everyone knows I'm an empath. And so I just didn't, I wasn't sensing that okay. from from looking at your face, reading your face and hearing your words. Hmm. Yeah, that's uh, it was it was it was an interesting experience. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it and like I said, it was it was hyper realistic, so much so that I turned around, expecting mm-hmm. fully to see someone there. Yeah, that's what, and that's a high state of no matter what we're talking, dreams or not. That's a high state of lucidity where you actually yeah. question. Right. You're questioning what is going on. That's when you're like, I am truly awake right now. Yeah. The questioning line. That's that's a key. Yeah, and I was instantly um you know, usually when I wake up, I mean I'm a little drowsy, I gotta take some time, surf Facebook for a little bit or something, you know, for about ten, fifteen minutes. But I mean this was like instant like waking up. I mean it was essentially that. May I add a little bit of woo here? Sure. Not that anything to me. Just, just a little, that. just a little bit. Just don't, we don't <laughs> want to go too, too far. With as anything. if we had none already. No, I was just going to say, Jerry, as if we haven't been in the woo already. But none of that's really the woo for me. However, uh, there is this. Jerry and I listen to all kinds of stuff, and there is this thing going on right now, um, and it's really amped up right now with the astrology there's this whole idea of twin flames and and so i want to just kind of preface this with the twin flame doesn't have to be physically incarnate so and that that kind of popped through my head like oh maybe this is this is on that level and that's the way and it can also be an aspect or shard of your own self yeah 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 is it there's, think, is it maybe there's, on some Jungian level, like a uh, 
like his anima. That's what I was yeah. about yeah. to ask. Yeah, an yeah, aspect absolutely. of his anima. I yeah. think a lot of people people have experiences when they are doing out of body stuff and they see a shadow person at the door and it terrifies them or whatever. And a lot of those turn out to be your shadow, your your higher self waiting mm-hmm. for you to come out. Yeah, it's not right. there to scare you. You're just you know, you don't know what the hell it well, is. Well, isn't the whole in Thelema, isn't the whole concept of the holy guardian angel? I mean, is that, that essentially basically your higher self? I've always thought of it as the collective, but maybe it's a more concentrated version of the collective aimed towards you. But I don't know because I'm not a practicing polemic. Well, just that whole idea, though, uh, like we're getting into as far as the ec- external versus internal. I mean, sometimes we really feel like we're encountering something that is independent intelligence in dreams also. And that's just something I've always grappled with as far as what is, you know, how, how if our minds can generate all this stuff internally, you know, how can we know if something is actually external? Yeah. I, well, I, see, Jung oh, questioned that. Yeah. On in a, in and of himself, and it's in it's in his writings, in his personal writings, he qu- started to question which what was what, mm-hmm. what's really outer and what's really inner, and so you know that's a that's quite a a road to go down, because in theory it's, it's you know outer. I don't think any, <laughs> I don't think there's any outer. I think it's all internal, not not. That's the wrong way to put it. I think it's all part of the collective. Mm-hmm. But the collective, I think, has a collective shadow. Yeah, absolutely. So that would represent what people would call the darker aspects of whatever, the other. But I think the other is just the collective or other individuated portions of the collective. Well, they're necessarily go. external. But I mean, you're still kind of saying that's it's external. That's a key word individuated is a key word yeah. there it's yeah, major yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah but for dreams in particular you know of course we have the the passed on relatives being a big thing that people see you know how much is that actually some kind of they go back to the collective yeah that's happened to me several times i i like to bring up there's um an episode of Doctor Who, which I loved, uh, called uh, Twice Twice in a Lifetime, I think. <clears throat> it was the Christmas special last year. And there's a group of, of higher beings, aliens, whatever, that go around and collect all the experiences and memories of people before they die. And this allows them to reconstruct the people in, in physical form that act and sound and talk and walk just like the person who died. And uh, someone who died on the show, uh, I forget her name, Bill Potts, I think, a woman, was reconstructed from these memories and whatnot for the doctor. And this reconstruction didn't understand that it was not the person because it was just these layers of experience and memories that made that person what they were you know, so if you look at, take that, in ter- I'm rambling here, but take that in terms of a ghost, right? If all your memories and experiences are recorded in the cloud, so to speak, in the Akashic record or the collective, whatever you want to call it, then it's it would be easy to reconstruct that layer by layer to come up with something that you could not distinguish from that person. We might get to technology a little later still, but that's a good segue into talking about whether 
you know, the dreams of, of these transhumanists as far as like transferring human consciousness into the machine, whether you all think that's possible. It kind of sounds like the same thing you're saying, but is that, is that you? Yeah, I don't think it's possible, but. <laughs> and I do see Jerry and I diver here. Uh-huh. And then, I mean, even just today, did you see that news? Like RT came out with neither robot nor animal scientists yeah. develop the Xenobots first robots constructed completely article is interesting yeah it was completely constructed from from uh living cells yeah right and it's part of what the bigger narrative of stuff i've been talking about for quite some time now and uh, you know i've i've been throwing it under terms like virus the virus and this non-human uh the, the non-human stuff that's going on, which I mean when I say that, AI. And uh, which I think is a terrible way to call it. Anyway, artificial intelligence. I don't think it's artificial, but that's just me. So, yeah, I mean, that. so Jerry and I have different views, I think, on this kind of stuff. So, Jerry, would you say then that you think this biological interface is a... I guess, what does it some, have some kind of special divine aspect that can't be replicated? Like the BCI talking about? Or like the, our, our, us as humans, I'm saying, or us as, as biological animals, is this something special that is like an, an interface with specifically what we are, souls, or whatever you want to call it, and sure, that can't be I, replicated with? Yeah, machines. because I think, I think that um, as human beings, we have a, an aspect of our consciousness, if you will, the consciousness itself that connects back to the cloud, right? to our collective. And I don't think that can be replicated digitally. Okay. I think it's an analog process. So basically it's not the, the materialist view of the brain and consciousness arising from the brain. It's the opposite. Yeah, I don't think I, I'm definitely a non-local consciousness yeah. believer. Um, I don't ditto. Think yeah, yep. I don't think it's part of the brain. Uh, the brain to me runs your body. So if we are creating these independent, what they call artificial intelligences, are they perhaps something else coming through? I don't think so. I think they are programs, and nothing more than a program. They may be self-learning and they can expand their knowledge base, but they're still a program. I'm a computer programmer, so you yeah. know, I have a, a good handle on what exactly code is and what it can do. Uh, you know, even quantum computing is a little different, but <clears throat> on a regular computer, AI stuff, it's just a program. It's not going to be conscious. It's not going to connect back to the collective. It may connect back to its own collective and, you know, be networked with that, but... I don't see it connecting to the human collective. But what, Jerry, what specifically is consciousness to you? Yeah, we're getting pretty philosophical. <laughs> uh, I have lots of thoughts on that. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a self-awareness at, at the base that you're, you are this individuated portion of a collective. And, and you don't see that as possible for... Uh, in the AI realm, non non D way or non quantum computing, I, I I can see a 
program, being aware that it's a program and of itself and that it's part of a, I can see it being a copy of it, but it's just a copy of human existence. It's not, um, and, and it's not to diminish its value or anything either. It's, I just think it's a different, it's a digital entity versus a, an analog one. Well, that's what I'm saying. Uh, it's, it, is it something though? Not necessarily what we are, but is it something else entirely? And if we are some kind of interface that brings through or some kind of consciousness from somewhere else, is this going to be like a gate to something else coming through? Possibly. That's, that's kind of, I think that's what transhumanism is all, transhumanism is all about that. Um, these, these two dimensional entities, if you will, the, the collective shadow, the demons, whatever you want to call them are influencing humans to create vessels for them. Yeah. To inhabit. Right. So, yeah, and that's, that's part of what I'm on with this whole per- possession thing. Well, that's like bang on. So is that similar to this concept of like the egregore? An egregore is just another, an, an entity, right? Something, it's like, like, a, like a t- something being in, inhabited by something else. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost like it, an avatar. Yeah. I mean, essentially, yeah. I mean, you've got, you've got the whole concept of a tulpa, which is something right. that we create our mass consciousness or whatever creates the, creates the tulpa. Right. And then an egregore is like about like one step above that in which an actual entity can inhabit that tulpa and give it even more of a real of a really of a reality well that would make us egregores wouldn't it yeah yeah I mean, that's exactly what... that's part of the questioning here <laughs> um have you ever talked to david perkins Something? no i don't think so no he's got this really wild he's got lots of wild stories about tulpas you should get him on the show sometime anyway i digress um doesn't he have like some kind of a gaia idea about uh, the earth as an know. intelligence is that who we're talking about I'm not sure. No, that you're thinking of uh, the dude who talks about the EVP, EVs or whatever, the sun vehicles. No. No, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I forget that guy's name. I always do. He's got a weird name. I'll, I'll look it up while someone else is talking. The sun vehicles anyway, guy. That's his name. It's that David dude. Something. You know, yeah, that dude. The guy no, from that thing. Think- he says that there's like uh, beings that live in the sun that keep it functional. Oh, but it's it's actually a machine. Ah, okay. Yeah. Uh. But see, and there's this whole idea that when we say things like machine, that uh, somehow we categorize internally that a machine we think cold, and we think um, you know electronic, even though we're electronic. Uh, it, it just becomes other. And yet, technically, we're a machine also. We're a biological, organic, allegedly, machines at the same time. We're, we have electrical pulses and all, all that stuff, our autonomic system, all the, our nine systems that keep us functioning. So it, this is one of those things where we need to start bridging this language barrier between the cold and the warm, right? The warm, human, sentient uh, sleeve avatar as opposed to the cold, computer, robotic, metallic avatar. Like, what's the difference? 
And you were saying, too, that you think that what were you hinting at as far as you think that some kind of artificial intelligences are influencing us a lot right now? Perhaps. It depends. Uh, One of my pet theory niche in particular you were talking about that right well yeah but jerry and i've been ta- we've okay. both been talking about this okay cool. this is something we do talk about and so jerry carry out your thought no i was going to say that um uh, one of the thoughts i've had among others is that if quantum computing is what they say it is that it exists outside of time space our, our linear time then it can be influencing us in the past and it, it can, you know, it, it, it exists, it's, it's, it exists across our entire timeline. Mm-hmm. So if, if it, it's outside of our timeline and it's infinitely smart because it's across all dimensions and it can influence us to do anything it wants. So, you know, for all we know, it could have influenced us to create it in the first yeah. place. And that's what I keep saying that the event horizon has happened and and it doesn't matter if we're back here right now saying, oh, it's going to happen. Kurzweil said a singularity is going to happen in 2020 or whatever. You know, it doesn't matter when we ascribe it to happening. It's happened. There's a point in time where it happens. And that point in time changes everything. And so at that point in time, it is able to move through the fabric of of reality as we perceive it and that includes the threads of time and it's it's illogical for us to stand here at this point and say well it hasn't happened yet it's going to happen further down the road if time doesn't actually exist it's already happened people and we're dealing with it right now and this is why we're seeing this all the mandela effects this is why dreams are changing with people this is why different weirdness and consciousness shifts are happening and we're seeing subtleties in language we're seeing subtleties in people around us and more stuff is being witnessed more it's more stuff about stuff flying around our heads, stuff in the inner earth, more crypto talk. All this stuff is just coming to terms with this new online non-human sentience, which is what I'm calling the uh, the viral invasion, which is which is exactly all this that we're talking about. Which could be nothing more than just being more aware of reality on a whole. That it was always there because that's the whole thing. Once it hit, once it hit, once it happened, everything changed. And so it doesn't matter. And so we have to step back out of this idea of the past, present and future. And I think that's one of the shifts we are starting to see is people are able to understand that the the past is very murky. Is it a memory? Is it a dream? And, uh, And so if we just start collectively opening our minds up because we understand that especially as a union tool uh collectively then there's a new tide rising and and this i have this other pet theory about how the collective influences uh, ideas and media you know people would call it predictive programming whatever if you look back at the movie the arrival about okay. how 
that language of the squid people made her think outside of linear time. Yeah, because it changed her conceptions. Right. I think right. on some level that's happening to us. Along along with what Nish was saying, you know, it's it's that kind of progression. So the conversation then becomes, and, and we were already having this conversation here, is what what's organic, really? You know, like what's what is sentience again? And I understand that that's like one of those great questions, but we need to start really evaluating that in in, in context to where we are now in time, and and we can step forward from Plato and all that, but where we are now with syntax and, and just literally where we are now, it's a different idea. There's a whole bunch of different data now. And I think a lot of this boils down to us um, as our role of creators now that we are being godlike, not to be too Luciferian, you know, but we are actually creating these things that we imagine are going to be even more sophisticated than us. And of course, like we know that, right. That ex Google exec or whatever, you know, they found out he was trying to, uh, at least he was making some preliminary plans to create a religion where they would worship an AI. Right. They, cre- they created it. It's there. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's not Luciferian at all. It's, no. I think it's quite Jungian. I mean, it, we got back to that. If the outer world, we're seeing our internal content, content projected into the outer world then the mystical experience the ecstatic experience that one one can access through religion and and deity and 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 then if we continue with that overlay of the union principle and we bring that internally well hello what's that saying that's saying you're the creator here you're the god and even though it may not be simply stated like that and yes that is a luciferian prince precept it is still the same thing and so it's funny how people parse that out and make it work for themselves right mm-hmm. how you can be a union and a christian in the same breath and there are lots of them in fact you know i've, I've postulate majority so uh that just goes hand in hand with all of this that we're weaving together in this tapestry so so are we saying that there is an intelligence out there that we've created but it's somehow affecting time and parallel universes fabric of reality like you you mentioned the you you mentioned the Mandela effect, for instance, yeah. you know, so is there something that we have yet to create that is out there that is essentially yeah, that affecting I, us? The idea now? like she was talking about is that we, we, we hit a certain place where I guess a historical inevitability happens and we've already, like Jerry's saying, we already got these quantum computers that are already um, going to be reaching beyond what we think of Newtonian time and space. Okay. So this is like connecting with a future into some kind of time loop, I guess. Is that what you guys are saying? Yes, kind of? definitely okay. time loop. All right. So retro causality and all that. So then we're, what we're saying here, guys, is like something like the Mandela effect is real because it's causing ripples in space time. 
it's impossible to tell if it's real or not. If, if, if it is real, there's no way to get back to where it was, so you can't prove it. And therein lies the puzzle. Uh-huh. It's the bornless one. Oh, absolutely. And you can trans, you know what? You can transpose that into a lot of high magical yeah. stuff. Yeah. It, it's, it's all right there. If you look, you take this perspective and now you start looking at some of the mystery teachings and it's like, oh, this was always in here. Right. Right. Yeah. It's- well, yeah. That kind of gets into where we're, we're, we're the old hide magicians, essentially, with their tools, with their magical sigils. Were they doing the same things or similar? Were they predicting what would happen now? Or were th- was that a part of this entire process you guys are talking about? Were things from now in the future are reaching back to then? And, of course, I mean, just, just looking at sigils and looking at cybernetic systems, I mean, it's... It depends on your your view of what magic and sorcery is, because there are multiple levels of it. Doing sigil work or, uh, you know, minor spell work, stuff like that, that's only affecting you and and your personal reality bubble. Whereas, you know, greater magic might affect an entire timeline. Yeah. But I think generally, I like what Tim Refat has to say about the, the sorcerer or black magician, whatever you want to call it is a timeline hopper. They manipulate reality so they can hop to a timeline that, that uh, suits them better. But is what we're doing with technology essentially the same thing? Is it kind of like opening up a gate? Hard to tell. It's hard to tell. I don't, I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. It's definitely, it's different. I mean, it's, I don't know. I don't I can't answer that. Cause it's something that's always kind of, it's terrified me for a long time. I had some real pivotal psychedelic experiences when I was a lot younger. Um, and I really got into, I watched 2001 and I really got into yeah. thinking about a lot of this stuff. And I was really overwhelmed by a, a feeling that the technologies that we're creating are in effect going to open up a gate or bring something through. And that's essentially the same thing that a lot of old high magic was doing. Yeah. Like Jack Parsons in the desert. Yeah. <laughs> but like I, I would say that. Sorry. Or even we could go back to John D. John Jerry. D., right. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Bringing the angels through, you know, what the hell are the angels? The, yeah. The, the Enochian stuff that, you know, to, they're just demons to me, but whatever. Um, I think CERN is definitely on the precipice of doing something to that effect, opening gateways or portals. And there's, there are tons of people out there who talk about that, but um, I don't know if, if it's true or not, but it's definitely some kind of dark magic going on there. And just the difference between biology and the technology we're creating. Like I kind of think of, biology as being some kind of interface for our, our consciousness that perhaps is from another place or our bodies are a way of it interacting with this physical reality. Um, but if we're creating something different that if we're creating something that if we're not bringing through the same things that we are, you know, is this opening up an ability for some other source of consciousness to come through into the machines? Oh, uh, 
I totally think that's true. Um, and uh, Robert Heinlein talked about this in one of his books, I forget which one, that he surmised that any complicated, any, any sufficiently complex electric system could house a consciousness of sorts. And that's what I and call yet, this two-dimensional consciousness. Go ahead. And yet we don't even know what we are. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, and just jumping back a, a Speculation. few, just jumping back a few steps too. If you think about uh, the lucid, the dreamer. So, and when I say the dreamer, I'm using the big D, and that means the awakened dreamer. So, the the lucid dreamer. And I cannot recall which of our guests here brought this up, but I mean, certainly we've talked about it, and we're online. But somebody specifically brought this up on Gordon, Knox Minting. Gordon White. No, no, definitely wasn't. But it, and it was a more recent guest. But the dreamer is the architect. And so if we think about, and he said it, and I, I'm positive it was that he said it as a the lucid dreamer. So, and he's talking about, geez, I wish I could remember who, uh, the people that go in and are lucid in this state of consciousness, in the dream state. So they're awake within the state of liminality and they're able to move things around and shift things around the way they want well if you take that and say you add a, a principle of multiplication or some sort of uh ge geometry to it you could affect major change in the outer world so if you think of it like a magician, uh, that is, so if you go in and through your astral experience as an awakened dreamer, start to do high magic to affect great change, this was what I guess suggested here. You know what? It might've been Thomas Sheridan. Anyway, this is where this is where we can start to plug in things like the Mandela effect. This is where we can start to plug in interesting uh, ticks in timelines and affect great change. So I wanted oh. to throw that in because we were talking kind of in that realm a little bit earlier. Yeah, and that, that goes along with the whole co-creation idea that that we create, we co-create our reality in this astral space, in this this virtual space and it and it's energetic creation and then it manifests here in the physical and that's a popular idea amongst many many people many religions too well in that in the space is ether jerry right it's yeah. not this we're coming from this ether standpoint and not the not the einsteinian no stuff. that's all yeah. nonsense <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to talk whatever Sir Phil was talking about. Damn it, I forgot now. Uh, I was just talking about whether uh, this uh, computer technology and artificial intelligence is perhaps bringing through a different kind of consciousness than what we are. Well, yeah, absolutely. Like, is it something but that might be that, that, opposed to us or trying to, you know, use us to replace us or mm -hmm. Terminator like? Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's a different, it's definitely an external thing. It's not part of our collective. So how are we going to cohabit, cohabitate with that? I mean, it's, I don't know. Well, Remember, it's, it's, everything wants to live. And yeah. I don't know that I think we're at this point, a source of energy. Yeah. 
Yeah. We're the food. Well, okay, so so here's the thing. I mean, this may this may or may not be off the topic, but you know, we've talked a lot about how automation is going to change a lot of things and how just artificial intelligence through that automation is going to change a lot of things. What do you guys think is going to be like the social ramifications of some of that stuff as we move forward? I mean, Jerry, like you're in the IT field. What's your thoughts on that? Um, are well, we going to have to vote uh, for um, um, Andrew Yang to get the universal <laughs> basic income? I think we're heading more towards like the Wally world. Not Wally world, but the Wall-E, the movie. Sure. Right. Wally. Right. Where everyone's floating around in chairs. Yeah. And Everybody's fat and floating around in chairs. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, just people. I, I I spent some time with my family this over the holidays and just to see how much they rely on bullshit technology, like talking to their remote control or their phones and, mm-hmm. and just this laziness if you will, mental laziness that's overcome everyone from technology. I don't see that getting any better. Yeah, I would agree. And uh, on top of that, people are getting drawn more and more into their tech and not spending time with each other. So family units are breaking down. The whole social interaction, you know, look at dating today is is relegated to swiping left and right. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody goes to bars and, anymore and meets people. They just pull up uh, Tinder. This is part of why I keep using the word invasion, it, because I'm trying not to sugarcoat it. This is an invasion, and it's not going to fare well for Homo sapiens sapien. It's no. just not. Yeah, yeah. I don't think the prognosis is good if that was the well, final answer there. This is the thing that this is the thing that we've talked about a lot and about how um automation is really going to affect people and how it, it could, you know, the self-driving cars, the self-driving trucks when it's really going to put people out of work is when you're going to have a whole bunch of social strife. And I and, and Jerry, you mentioned Wally, you know, but I think that that's only for an elite few. I think most people yeah. are going to be, you know, living in slums because they're not going to find any place to work, and it's just going to make it's just going to make things worse. And like you know, the 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 Silicon Valley elite just really has no idea what they're doing, you know, to or how they're going to handle the social implication is yeah. gonna, that's going to happen from all this. They're not thinking that far ahead. They're only looking at profits. Right. For exactly. Year. Exactly. And growth. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. I, and I'm, I, I wasn't suggesting that we're going to live on a spaceship in Segway. You know, it's a Segway sure. put out a, um, a chair this week, just like Wally. <laughs> the Segway company. The, but I, I guess um, the idea is that our, our, there, are they going to have to make enough of this technology accessible to control the population, which you don't have to necessarily give people a lot, but maybe some of this, inter, you know, like we already see this, you know, entertainment technology will be enough for social control. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree oh, with television that. It, it already is. Yeah. 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 It, it's already is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got to watch a lot of TV when I was in the hospital, and it it was horrifying. Just how many commercials were 
get the app, get the app, get the app, talk to your phone, do yeah. this through your phone. It's all gearing you and gearing people to interact with their device instead of real people. Well, I think we, we thought that something like totally immersive, like virtual reality is what it would take. But we, I think we've seen that it takes way less. Someone doesn't right. have to be I totally think, plugged in to just be fully immersed. Right. That's the end game there. Like the whole ready player one scenario. Yeah. That's what we're heading towards. And that'll probably nobody, be the new entertainment complex will be like actually living other people's lives. You know, living, yeah. in a vir- living in a completely virtual world. Yeah. yeah, there was a great movie called Surrogates with Bruce Willis. You ever see that? Yeah, yeah. I, know, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah, where people like they they live in pods in their house, but they they interact through a robot. Okay, that they are you know connected to. Or like in the William Gibson books, The Sim Stem, where you yep. have these like stars, but they're they're kind of like reality stars. You know, yep. and people live their lives. <laughs> I know. It's, it was a good Rick and Morty episode too, where the uh, you could play a video game and you play this guy named Roy. So maybe that's the answer to Adam's question, as far as maybe as long as that technological bread and circuses is enough that they can handle the extreme inequality and people being totally uh, displaced and dispossessed and not having jobs. But a part of me thinks that like that's going to create such a spiritual void in a lot of people that it's it's a dangerous thing. That unforeseen well, movements and leaders could come along to really catch f- that fire. That's just, but but that void's really huge right now. Yeah, it true. is. And what I mean, we've of course those of us in this field have been asking, and and thinkers along history as always ask, we're always asking, what's real? But now that is got such a deeper layer to it when we're in in line with openly. Because I postulate, as I said, with the event horizon that already happened, we've been dealing with this for quite some time. But in the collective, we already know that deep fake is going on. And that shit is, I mean, it's it's there and it is, it's bang on. And this is what is, it, it's, there's no conspiracy there. It's out there. There, you know, there's memes of it, jokes of it, but it's really at play. And again, I postulate it's been in play for a long time. Uh, having the whole event horizon aspect so where where is the reality thread what the fuck is real Ooh, sorry about the f-bomb uh what what is real right right now and right it, now what is real as far as we know you know the a lot of what's generated on television could be all deep fakery of some sort generated yeah. i'm sure you've seen the video of the guy uh real-time manipulating George Bush? No. Oh, I'll try and find you a link to that. Yeah, it's a a goodie. It was a technology that was introduced, I think, by MIT a few years ago, where they had a facial mapping system, would watch your face and then manipulate a video of a person and their voice in real time. And this is a few years old. This is, this isn't even modern. So it's, and the whole idea of if we, if we step back and we look at dreams and we think about that experience, and then we also have another checkpoint here, another dot, and we think about virtual reality and you start to think, well, what's, is 
these are kind of similar, except for in virtual reality, I'm going in consciously and I'm not being wiped on my way out. So I have a memory that, you know, I know I did this, where there's some mechanism within our own consciousness that allows for a wiping with with the dream experience, what, what I'm calling right now, the organic dream experience. We somehow, we forget we dream, or I can't remember clearly what these dreams were, and that kind of thing. And we also, ironically, synchronistically, have the same experience with life and death with birth and death you don't know where you come from you, you and you don't know where you're going there's some sort of wipe that happens well with virtual reality the promise is you maintain all that information keep those memories there's a there's a continuity and that, and then we start tying in, you, you look at another dot here that goes back old. We start tying in and this gets into kind of weird fringy stuff again. And when you tie it together, what are these stories about the immortals that we see in the Bible, that we see the Chinese immortals, we see all across the board that are these like time Lords, like Dr. Who, right? They, these time Lords that have, a continuity, a chain of custody of continuity, conscious continuity, if you will, that allows them to have not been wiped or have figured out how not to be wiped. And so they become, in essence, godlike. I actually heard someone talking about um, RH negative blood and like the royal family and and the purpose of it was to allow you to recall your past lives and draw on those experiences it's like dune i don't know how it would relate to dune well in in dune the um the ben Jesseret sisterhood are able to pass on uh lives yes. and memories right. to the future generations so it's like a continuity i joke of a lot I joke a lot that I'm a Bene Gesserit. Uh, I'm not a reverend mother yet, but it, it, <laughs> but you're it a could, witch. I am a witch, and it could happen. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that was real interesting that the the Rh negative blood serves that purpose of allowing you to break that barrier, that forgetting, and allow you to draw on your experience. Where is this from? You know, because I've I've heard a lot about the Rh negative blood stuff. You know, like there's the the link to the Anunnaki and all this yeah, kind of stuff. It's, like it's nonsense. Yeah. Well, well, like everything else you have to parse out what, right. so there's obviously something to it. Yeah, when sure. we see like the whole population, basically of the boss people are RH negative and we, right. we see certain pools of people and then we start to associate what's different about these certain pools. So there's interesting information with it. And then you get the over the crazy overlays, right? Where it's not crazy. I enjoy all the fun. You get the fun overlays with, well, uh, you know, whatever, all the woo-woo around it. But there's actually, at the core, there's something there. It's, you know, it's like when we're talking race. I am obviously not the same as an Aboriginal woman from Australia. We're vastly different. Our bones are vastly different. Our skulls are vastly different. Our, our culture, my culture from theirs is different. And yet, we are still technically homo sapiens, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and then this ties into the whole 
back to that ET thing, which ties back into the AI thing, how we, the anthropomorphizing of, of stuff that is actually on this plane that we can experience like a mantis right or an ant or you know we start anthropomorphizing different forms and we start to see and step back and there starts to be something that evolves out of this imagery what do you mean evolves out of the imagery exactly well i mean what happens when we start looking at 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 the these phenomena that separate us from the other and so in the in the most mundane and silly and i say silly is a in in a flippant way flippant way here silly way is rate okay so just in the culture right now how everything's race baiting and race war black against white and all this and and so i made this reference point of you know i'm like the i'm sheet white i am so pale and and i've got a certain look to me and that's why i juxtapose it against say an aboriginal right Mm -hmm. so but we're technically homo sapiens we're technically both humans and yet we are i'm completely a different kind of human from an aboriginal right so if you start thinking about that so that's being manipulated the whole black, white, brown, beige thing uh, on a surface level. But then if we start, and then what's being what's being pushed right now, the ET presence, mm-hmm. the, the extraterrestrial stuff. And what, what do we see at the core of that? We see anthropomorphized ideas of stuff that exist within this plane. Like right. I said earlier, like yes. a mantoid, a mantid. Right. Uh, I mean, what, what do some of these things look like? They are stuff we can experience. And it's all based on, it's all based on animals and concepts that we have here. Right. I have a, I have yeah. a theory on this too. I think, um, so as human brains developed, you know, our brains are layered on, like there's a reptilian part of our brain, right? And there's an insectoid part of our brain. Sure. All of these, these so-called aliens have space in our uh, develop brain development, if you will. And at some point. Interesting, Jerry. That's fascinating. Those, those layers, if you will, had their own collective, their own collective consciousness. So there's a reptilian collective, right? At some point, the Homo sapien collective overtook that, right? So the, the, that, that reptilian collective may still be fighting back and may individuate as reptoids or reptilians in our, our subconscious or in our dreams or in what we perceive as our reality. Yeah. Same for the insectoids. I, I've, mm-hmm. often, I've often looked at the concept of the grays as just being this kind of distorted image of ourselves yeah or a future version of us Mm -hmm. i've always pulled up to that future version and i thought of that when i was little and so me too right i think a lot of people had that idea before it started to be in common culture is what it is today it always i keep hearing especially from gen xers that they they're like uh, this is always what I thought. Like that narrative's coming up again, points back to that event horizon I'm talking about. 
this stuff's all tying together. Do you guys see how it all ties together? Oh yeah. And I, when, I you, really, when, when you say Event Horizon, you're talking about this the singularity. singularity, the Kurzweil stuff. Okay, just wanted to. I really love the. Uh, there's a woman on YouTube named Randy Green who claims to be quote unquote a programmer of this reality, uh-huh. this situation we find ourselves in, and she talks about how there are adjacent realities to ours that are holographic in nature that are inhabited, that beings from the future or other dimensions, if you will, project into there, into those adjacent realities and manipulate us energetically. And those would be things like the greys specifically. She says that the greys are actually us from another timeline in the future that have lost the ability to reproduce. And this is an old story too, that they're, you know, um, trying to create vessels that they can inhabit consciously here. They can reincarnate into, they can incarnate into rather. So that's, that would be the reason for the, uh, the, the abduction phenomenon revolving so much around sexual organs and reproduction. Correct. Correct. Mm-hmm. Again, with my possession thing, it is, it's, you know, cause possessions, what you get in a car, you take possession of it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. it doesn't have to be scary and demonic right it's just influence well so that's the idea then that maybe um something has manipulated us to create these tech this technology so yeah. that they can inhabit it yeah that's what i think which kind of goes back into the whole agrivore concept yeah. right? and, go, and it might yeah. have started with old magic yeah, that's for all we know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the whole idea that people get these ideas that just come to their minds from from they believe the ether or wherever, but it could actually be transmitted from somewhere else. Right, exactly. Yeah. Look at uh, Philip K. Dick and Vallis, you know. Right. For, yeah, for good all point. we know, good. that's a good we one. We could be individuated portions of a giant artificial, quote-unquote, artificial intelligence yeah. that is becoming self-aware. Yes, yes. See, there, I'm pulling right up to that. Yeah. And this, you know, this this is what I was trying to say before, Sophia, when I forgot what I was talking about. Uh, you were talking about reality, and we are talking about co-creating and astral space, physical. Nothing in our world is real right here. There, when you touch something, you're not really touching it. You're just, it's two electric fields that interact, two electromagnetic fields. There's, there's no tangible uh, material. I don't think on the physical plane. It's all just our perception of it, of the frequency and the, the electromagnetic spectrum. Holographic reality. It's not holographic. It's just, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, but it's, it's certainly not, it's certainly malleable. Put it that way because of the nature of it, because it's, uh, it's the way your brain perceives the electromagnetic fields and the frequencies around you, the soup, you know, your, your reality is created in your brain. Yeah. And that malleability is being confirmed now by quantum physics. Absolutely. And by the Mandela effect. So do you think that we all each experience reality completely differently? Sure. Reality is subjective experience. Yeah. That's part of the actual magic and and wonder of this too. That is like a gift, in my opinion. If if, there, if there's a gift in all this, that's it. 
No, she talked about the uh, the idea of dreams being, you know, wiped and, and forgetting them. Since you guys deal so much with dreams, do you have any suggestions for being more in tune and remembering dreams in, you know, besides like a dream diaries, I guess is probably the most yeah, journaling's number journaling one thing. The, the best just as soon as you wake up or yeah. Is there anything you can do before that you think helps? You can set intention. That's always a good thing. I will remember my dreams, you know, okay. a little mantra. Um, just get in that mindset that you know, you know, you will remember it when you wake up. What about, um, and sigil magic doesn't hurt either. What about dreams having, well, I, I want to, I want to give one of my dreams. I don't remember a whole lot about it, but this was pretty recent, just a few weeks ago because it had a strange uh, paranormal thing happen in reality, right when I woke up. So in the dream, I was almost experiencing some kind of phenomena that I've experienced in sleep paralysis before where I felt like I was, you know, I couldn't move like this weird thing. I almost felt like some entities holding me back or something weird. It's a real supernatural, strange dream. And then I wake up and as soon as I wake up, I hear three big wood knocks from like some woods across the street. Was it at three thirty three a.m.? It was at around three o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> that is the magic hour, by the way. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, then just like a couple minutes after that, uh, the dogs that was in the house I was in wake up and start just going crazy barking. Just like one minute after that. Bigfoot, Bigfoot phenomena is often accompanied with other types of poltergeist-like activity. It's and it's, it's not very rural, so it's just weird. That's the only time I've had like a, a a strange dream that then had some kind of phenomenon in physical reality. That was, but just because you heard it doesn't mean it was real, like physically, true, like true, really true. there. It might have been still part of your dream. I'm not saying it didn't happen. True. I felt very yeah. awake, though. It was like one of those things, almost like Adam. It, said it, is, when you, it like, is interesting really that, that the dogs reacted. Yeah. 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 But it wasn't in response to the knocks. It was enough time after that. What was the dream about? I was just in, in the same house I was sleeping in, and I don't remember a whole lot, but just like interacting with someone in the dream and having that weird paralysis where I was trying to like move around in the house and walk, but I felt like... Mm-hmm you know, held down or I felt that weird. Could be something quote unquote haunting that house was interacting with you. Yeah. It was strange. I really don't get that feeling from the house. Um, but, uh, it could have been weird. an entity that can only communicate through dreams or via the astral plane. Or Yeah, it was, it was pretty weird, but just like, I've never had anything that had physical phenomenon afterwards like that. That was, that's cool. Freaked me out <laughs> pretty bad. Don't be freaked out by it. You should be intrigued and yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I was, I was, but well, you know, was it? it I, I was say three, that I'd was... be terrified if it happened to me. So right. I, mean, I, I understand. It was three knocks, correct? Yeah, and that's yeah. very common. Yeah. So you were around about three o'clock in the morning, and just, you know, there's a lot going on there. Yeah, there is a lot going on at that point. I've often wondered, you know, because the three knocks is a thing and it, you know, I just like connecting information and it leads me somewhere else. And the, the three, as we know, is like the universal SOS, right? And I've always thought it, because it's so tied into the Sasquatch narrative with the three knocks and also other cryptids, by the way, but I'm, 
I just find that I don't have any theories around it. I just find that an interesting tidbit is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, it's it's in a lot of phenomenon. It was strange, and that, and that I'm already really aware of that. So when it happened, I was like, "Oh yeah, there's a three knocks." Right. Yeah. Exactly. Like you kind of you kind of know what's going on. What's going what what's about to go down. Jerry, you were uh, talking about a little bit. Let's uh, talk a little bit about this. And time we got left, let's talk about uh, aliens aren't real, which is funny considering we just talked about grays, but. Yeah, and I think this goes back to our our discussion about co-creating our reality. I yeah. I I'm strongly on the side of uh that aliens are constructs that have been programmed into us. And I I lean towards lean more towards the the Josh Kutchin idea of how the, the culture shapes our interpretation of these energetic forces, fairies, whatever you want to call them demons <laughs> whatever everything is demons right yeah. um <clears throat> so i think that the the narrative writers of the world have, have jumped on this phenomena and have shaped our our idea of what of what they are into this threat this alien space alien threat okay but yeah, there's, you know, if you think about it, like the the term alien and and how it's how it's applied to, like to like in in America here, you know, illegal alien, which right, is confusion. Right, there's lots of confusion, and it just means not of here, not right. from here, and that that's a big deal. Like, so we can call a South American not an Ill, we can call them an alien in the same breath that. You know, we talk about something from outer space. I just wanted to interject that. Right. But but generally, I, I, there's zero proof that there are any beings other than humans and animals here or have ever been here. Yeah. So that alone is pretty much <laughs> pretty concrete evidence that it's not real, that it's not a real thing. Right. I think, I think it's far more likely that what we're dealing with is something that intelligence that has been here and that has been part of the human experience for as long as we've been around and probably actually really needs us is that there's a, the, I think there's a symbiotic relationship between the two of us, whatever the other is, it needs us to manifest. Sure. And if you go back to what I was saying before, it's, if it's, if it's collective shadow, if it's part of our collective unconscious and it's just the shadow right. portion of that, then absolutely it can't exist without us and vice versa. Right. Right. We are the aliens. Right. We are the aliens. That should be the title of your talk. We are the aliens. <laughs> yeah. I I haven't worked it out yet. I still have to write it. But yeah. What What's you guys' thoughts about um about past lives? What do you guys think? I mean, I can tell that you're kind of pretty pro on that, but that's something that I've kind of wrestled with myself, whether or not uh, we've lived before. Or, because you, I mean, there's a lot of material out there about kids that say that they have lived before and that they've, they've come up with information that later turned out to be correct. It's very convincing stuff. I it don't really think is. there's such a thing as a past life because I think everything happens now. There's no past. There's no future. Okay. Everything, no. So it, I, I tend to believe that there are infinite 
versions of me across like if you look between two mirrors and you see yourself like yeah. going up that's what's going on right so there's a lot of jerry's version. out there <clears throat> right and those would be what people would call past life it's just it's a simultaneous alternate reality and sometimes you yeah. can draw on those things sometimes you can't i also tend to think that the dream state or that altered state of consciousness is a uh, uh a roundhouse or a nexus point where you can access those other adjacent realities. And sometimes your dreams are peaks into those. I've heard people, we've had people come on and talk about how the, I've even had this myself where I dream that I'm at work all day, <laughs> but, but not my real job. It's some other job, you know? And I think that I'm actually supplanting that person and or myself in another reality. In an Can we all agree reality. that work dreams are probably the worst? <laughs> they are. But I've had lots of dreams where I'm like on a demo team blowing up hotels and shit too. And it's a cool job. You know, yeah. Um, not no, I mean like criminally. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> so I've had some really strange experiences in my dreams. Lots of space dreams, spaceship dreams, shit like that, alien dreams. But you know, who knows what's going on there? Nish, what are your thoughts on the past life stuff? I, I'm really right there with Jerry and all this. And uh, the question for me becomes what's going on with the wiping of our consciousness? What's going on with the wool over our eyes? And I come from the immortal perspective. And so I think that whatever consciousness is, which we're not quite sure of, and that's really, I think, at the core, uh, we, we, if we're we're having it and i can't help but think about the idea of like cro-magnum and neanderthals uh encountering each other there's something in these whether or not that's real if they're even real yeah i was gonna say yeah whether or not that's real but in the narrative that we're fed uh through our indoctrination programs called school uh that it's an interesting idea that because that leads us here that leads you know that leads us here and so we've got to start actually looking at the stories and and questioning and looking at the stories like myth and uh to start unraveling things like what's going on with the idea of other lives what's going on with the idea of other times even and then start thinking about your life in context to all that so i think about my life as me at six that's another life. That's a literally another life. I don't even relate to the person I was. I don't right. relate to the person I was just a couple of years ago, you know? Right. And so if we just start bringing it into a practical application like that, it widens. And, and through that kind of stretching of ideas, we, I think we start to get a bigger glimpse of, of what's going on and that glimpse for me is a taste of immortality and i want to know why can i not recall where i come from what's the origin here where's the nucleus where is the kernel i want to know that's where i'm at more so than questioning if i had other lives of course i did of course i do i think you too do you think that's because like I've, I've heard people have experiences where they encounter something else and it kind of tells them like, what the hell are you doing here? 
go back, you're supposed to just do your job and be, you know, the little monkey person or whatever. I mean, I think those are uh, those are aspects of them themselves. Okay. Or, but this doesn't that sound like D- DMT, Jerry, the DMT elves? It does. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Um, oh, who did I just hear? The clockwork elves. Talking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just yes. heard an interview with, um, damn it. I think it was a dude on THC. I don't remember who, though. I apologize. But he was talking about DMT and what he, this person, thought it was. And he said it's it doesn't bring you to another dimension or anything. What it does is it lifts the veils mm-hmm. so you can see the full reality around you. Yeah. And that these things all exist in different spectrums of light that we can't see. I thought that was really interesting. And that's another whole amazing side to look at is how limited our actual sensei experience yeah. is here. And we've all talked about this. We all know what's going on there but if in practical application which is where we have to come back to when dealing with far out ideas is we need to remind ourselves that that our our vision is really actually limited and where is it actually happening it's happening in the back of a blackness filled brain yeah <laughs> in dark matter it's happening in dark matter i think it was max egan who was talking about it but I'm saying people have these experiences where that's basically explaining why you don't know where you come from, why these things are wiped, because you have a job to do here in this more limited reality. Yeah, I don't buy and, that. Okay. But I've just I've heard people have very strong experiences where when they encounter something and because their consciousness is expanded, those things are like you know, tell them very clearly what the hell are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. You're just supposed to be back doing what you're supposed to do. And then you can come back but, to this later. That's like the whole idea of soul contracts and all that. Nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. It's I all just, plays to the ego. That's kinda, all plays yeah, to the ego. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's kind of Gnostic be, too on some level. It, it, it could be yeah. Gnostic, but it still plays to the ego and you're not going to get anywhere down that path. And trust me, we all love our egos. I mean, it's like without my ego, Igor doesn't get pleasure. So, you know, I mean, on again, <laughs> bring it back to the practicality here. Yeah, right. So if we step back, we all have a job to do. It's all insignificant in the end. And and it's hard for at this state. And the only reason I keep saying it's homo sapiens sapien, it's hard to conceptualize that because the ego wants to feel wanted. It needs to have a task. It's like a working dog. And, uh, and it wants to be appreciated. Otherwise, it feels like it's meaningless. The blackness, the, the ethers, it, it all can, um, because of what other mechanisms are going on here, can just feel like, uh, fuck it then. I'm, you know, I'm giving up. But there's, that's just a trap. That's only a trap. In my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I, d- I don't know. So, yeah, it could be a trick too. It could be that trickster aspect of uh, consciousness. Not wanting you to get beyond. Sure. Well, it's also, you could look at it as a parasitic thing too, that the there's an energy. Stay and do your job so we can use you. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, we, yes. Yes. 
Absolutely. And, and that, that, that has to be factored in. I mean, and again, back to the practical, you know, candida needs the, needs the carbs to live in your system. So candida is telling you chemically, it wants some, that delicious, you know, Hershey bar. <laughs> a bag of kisses in your back seat. <laughs> right. And you may enjoy it, but are you enjoying it? What's enjoying it? What's really happening? Right. Yeah, is it you ultimately, or is it the bacteria? Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that was a fun part of this conversation earlier, is the, the, bio, the biology here. Because you break us down. I mean, you see like when it, something dies and how it, it decomposes, right? And, and the, the lunar cycle, whatever the lunar situation is, that blue cycle is the decay cycle that breaks things down. That cycle is important, of course, as part of all this. But what, what's really going on? And, you know, it's like we have to start. I just, this is the madness of my brain. Everything is at the core questioning why a function is a function. And then that, that can come up to the surface level. Why do I need to be governed, you know? <laughs> and I can get surface level and then caught in that trap, which is where this, this AI infection is uh, on the surface level, keeping us distracted because I think as a group, and I'm going to use this loose term, humanity is coming to start to, is coming to, is seeing and questioning on these levels of which we're speaking. And so we're constantly being brought back up here to the surface to fight about who's, who's governing us and, and, uh, the you great know, awakening. yeah. And so we need to be, uh, uh, the diversion here, the sleight of hand is stay on the surface and don't ask the bigger questions because right now I think we can have a jump in consciousness again. And that's the one thing we don't know what the hell is consciousness. Yeah. And I think it's, it's clear today, the delineation between real humans, higher minded humans and the quote unquote NPCs out there. Absolutely. And we see it. We're all experiencing it with people. Absolutely. Yeah, it's true. I mean, most people, there's, there's a lot of people out there that just like, they would not have these kind of discussions. They just would not talk about what we're talking about right now. They're not capable. Go, they don't have it. There's football on. What are you talking about? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, more power to them if that's what they want. But it's like, I don't know. I, I couldn't exist in a world that doesn't have a higher thought to itself, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. You know, having that kind of intellectually stimulating conversation, I mean, that's that's important. That's important right, to I, me. I could be watching Avengers Endgame again right now. But right, yeah, for the 50th <laughs> time. I haven't even seen it for the first time. Oh, so I, uh, such a good movie. I, it is so good. It is. Yeah. Well, I think but, a lot of that, I think a lot of that stuff in and of itself is just, is just distraction. Oh, you of know? course turning like, yourself i mean it's it's probably good because you don't want to be thinking about all this stuff all the time everyone needs some entertainment and you need stories. Some entertainment in your life yeah but and that's right. uh, again back to that union thing we're we're experiencing ourselves by the projection that's going outward right so the things that entertain us the things that we detest all that stuff that is keeping us afloat and moving in a what appears to be a forward moving motion that's all that 
that's our fuel. That's our inner fuel being projected outward and we're digesting it back in and trying to integrate it. That's the point, I think, is trying to integrate it and then it individuate from it so that you can tell yourself, you can tell what's you and what's not you. And that's the whole alchemical process. I mean, it's all right there. So people that do not question the whole NPC thing, where you interact with them and the level is just, there's only so much depth, right? The code is just very specific. There's so much depth, you're not going to get anywhere else. I, you know, I, I have tried and you all know I can crack a nut. (laughs) There are some people I have tried and tried and tried to find a way through a glitch into, and I have not been able to, on some so i really do pull up to that and for like a better word the npc thing i really really do i think sometimes they are just filler yeah that's not to be confused with the dolores cannon uh background people type of idea that's completely different i did want to mention though that the um like the marvel movies the x-men specifically those types of things could be affecting our future or the future of humanity in a way that we, you know, if enough people want a mutation, want to be like Wolverine or whatever, who's to say that we don't co-create that reality in the future? Bingo. That's, and that is that whole union thing. We're projecting it outward. And then with all this supposed junk DNA, well, what can we do? We can activate. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. All those things are probably there that we just have turned off. It's code, right, Jerry? I mean, exactly. it's in there. It's code. I remember, I think I was talking to you, Jerry, about a uh, a cyberpunk book called Ribofunk, where there was all these future subcultures based upon uh, this like weird... Uh, bioengineering experimentation like you had one little subculture who had like scaly skin another with wings like stuff like that i guess that's kind of similar i don't remember talking about that but possibly i i never read a book like that yeah i was i was telling i was that trying was to the other jerry that was the <laughs> <Yeah>. other jerry <laughs> we've got a new jerry <laughs> for real oh, i'm the same one that was jerry no. three no, no we got we definitely have it. No, I think you jumped more than one point, Jer. <laughs> did, did, did you did you did you what did you transcend into the ether, Jerry, and bring something back with you? So when I was in the hospital, I had uh, an experience. I'll put it that way of leaving my body a few times, okay. and the the story I came back with was that I jumped into a new body that I had swapped bodies with someone because of a a longer story, which I've detailed in a CWS a few weeks ago. If you want to go back and listen to that, it's kind of crazy. But, um, but yeah, I thought I had actually physically changed into another body. Hmm. It's pretty crazy. Wow. And Jerry is definitely not the same Jerry before. Well, that, that is Jerry the thing. says he is, but uh, we know he's not. I mean, a lot of people that know Jerry really well know so he's not the same Jerry. Do you think that you had some kind of near-death experience, Jerry? I think that I had, does change people. I thought I had two while I was 
in the uh, in the hospital, but uh-huh. according to the hospital, I did not actually crash. So mentally, I did. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily know if you have to actually flatline. Yeah, you still to have, have that. that experience, but you could still be in that state of consciousness. Yeah, um, it's it's a long story. By location. But, yeah, it's a long story, but basically, I had agreed to die on behalf of someone else in my experience there. And when I actually did expire, I jumped up, if you will, to another level of existence. Okay. At which point I came back into another body. In fact, when when I came to and my, I was trying to feed myself, I couldn't get my spoon to the right level where my mouth was because I thought it was somewhere else. (laughs) <laughs> which was really weird. That is really weird. Well, so do you feel like, okay, so do you feel like that you're in a new body now, or did you feel like no. that you were in another body and then you went back to yours? I don't think any of that was real. Don't think any of it was real. Yeah, not in a all, physical sense. Not Yeah. It was all a mental, whatever, hallucination, you know, whatever drugs they had me on, which I, I still don't even know what they were during my uh my ICU this yeah. was all in the ICU too <clears throat> so well that that's the thing though is like is is it is it real or is it hallucination or is it or are you actually having a real experience just through the hallucination i, I there's some was, fine lines it, there i think it was real to me at the time yeah and that's all that matters cuz i went through that experience i had that experience there Right. You know, I really did think the nurses were trying to kill me. I did punch a nurse in the face. You wow. Know, these things happened to me. Okay. Yeah. And there's a you know, there's a lot to be said there, and it's definitely for another kind of show. But the, <laughs> yeah. but the, those things are really important to factor in on on a very deep woo level that I love uh, an avenue I love to find myself on. <laughs> all right all right guys yeah. well this yeah. has been excellent I, I really want to thank you guys for coming on please tell us where you guys can be found nox mente everywhere everywhere uh, you can find us <laughs> on youtube we have a youtube channel it's called vocus nocte which means night voices in latin uh i'm sure you'll put links in the description for that you could just go to YouTube and search for Knox Mente, our, our show, and you'll see our whole catalogs there. We have over 100 shows now. We've been at this for two and a half years. Uh, wow, it's been that long. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, just knoxmente.com, right, Jerry? Knoxmente.com you can go to, which will take you to our, our website, which has all of our episodes listed. We don't have a paywall or anything. We're all free. Uh, we recently started a new show called The Obelisk which we do every month, once a month on the week of the full moon. And we have a uh, random guests who discuss random stuff. It's not necessarily about dreams. It's not about dreams at all. Really. Like this past week, we had Robert Phoenix talk about the astrology of this new year of 2020. Which is a must listen. It's absolutely one of my favorite shows of all that we've done. This was a really juicy juicy show and especially since we're facing this astrology coming forward it's it's a it's a must listen okay other than that any podcast player you can just search for us we're on itunes and 
Apple Podcasts and Google. We're everywhere. Anywhere yep. you can listen to podcasts, you can find us. Anywhere yeah. they can find you, they can find us. Right. And yeah, which is they, conspiranormal.com. Yeah, conspiranormal.podomac.com. <laughs> or anywhere. And that is Conspiranormal with two eyes. Yep. And you can find us, YouTube, Spotify, all the good places that you can find podcasts. We're all, we're all on them. So, all right, guys. Thanks so much. Uh, we're going to close out Thank this you. section. And we will be back to close out the show on Conspiranormal. Yeah, so that was an interesting interview with Jerry and Nish from Nox Mente. I don't quite know if I got all of it, but there it is. I think uh, it was our most, definitely, most far out. Yeah, definitely the most philosophical pod, we've podcast we've ever, done, we've ever done. Yeah, indeed. Dreams, reality, nature of consciousness, artificial intelligence, aliens, possession, incubus, succubus. Yeah. Suck a what? Yeah. You got to hear my, one of my recent dreams, which was really weird. And you got to hear a dream from uh, from Serfiel, too. So, um, <laughs> and, and Jerry's kind of like in, like in between life experience, I guess you could call it. So some really interesting things in that one. Uh, is there anything that you wanted to add about that show? Um, no, I'm just a little. Uh, it's taking on kind of a wild ride, man. I'm just yeah. And then we hopped on with Cruising with Steak for yeah. about like ten, fifteen minutes. Yeah. Talked to them a little bit about uh, TTSA and Skinwalker Ranch stuff. Um, in, we in, in addition today we. Recorded a Patreon yes. segment. Yes. Yeah, we recorded a Patreon segment uh, for our lovely patrons. Um, we're going to, we talked a little bit about the uh, Diana Pasoka stuff that happened over the weekend where um, her or someone claiming to be her posted some things on Twitter. So we kind of give our assessment about that. Um, this, we talked about this at length for about 30 minutes and just some wider implications of some of the things of the, talk about the people that she's associated with. So if you want to hear that, that is on um, Patreon. And that's uh, patreon.com slash conspiranormal. You can, you can find that there. It's as little as a dollar to join right now, guys. So Right now. Yeah, right now. We're going to stress that because at some point, uh, we are going to probably start raising that up. Um, but we still, I still believe that you know, if a 1,000 people give us a $1 each, then that's an easy $1,000 for us. So we have a goal on there of about $500 right now. And that's to continue the podcast, uh, buy new equipment, make everything sound better, continue to, you know, this guy right here, love to just have to give him some money each, each week or each month to be able to like, you know, his time that he puts into editing this show, which is a lot and which is greatly appreciated. Um, so please help us out. Uh, you can also do a one-time donation on conspiranormal.com as well. 
Um, if you cannot help us with that, uh, you can go to YouTube, give us a subscription. Uh, we are almost about at a thousand subscribers right now. We're about to 875, I believe. So we only need 125 more to get to that. And, and iTunes reviews. iTunes reviews are also important. Um, please leave us a hopefully five star review. With, and also emails, guys. If you got any questions, you know, send us an email. We like to start sharing that stuff on the show too when we get more. Yeah, yeah. Episode three hundred is also on its way. Uh, I have some people that have signed up to be a part of it and to talk about their own personal experiences, and we really want to focus that on all listeners. So, guys, uh, please you you can hit uh, me up, Adam Sane. On conspiracy on conspiracy normal, or you can hit me up on Facebook. You can hit me up. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter as well. The DMs are now open, so you can just send us a message there if you'd like. So, if you want to be part of that, it is still open. We are thinking about doing some individual discussions and then also a roundtable. So we don't know how long this show is going to be, episode three hundred. So. All right, guys. Next time, Mark Anthony Wyatt is coming on. We're going to talk about his book, The Spirit of Cornwall. And we'll talk to you then on Conspiranormal. YouTube channel, Conspiranormal Podcast.